Hello! Welcome back to the Selfish Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Tubbett-Dubai. I'm joined, as I always am, by Dr. Justin Quinn and Alex Goldberg. We have a very fun episode, and to get things started, let's bring in our friends from the Hoopsology Podcast, Matt Thomas and Justin Goodrum. Matt and Justin, how are you? Welcome. Go for it, Justin. All right, thanks. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> this is our second podcast appearance, so it's like, I don't know who should talk first. But anyways, we're happy to be here. Um, excited to talk some hoops, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us on, guys. Looking forward to this. And uh, I learned that uh, Justin is a Bulls fan, which may or may not be awesome this season. And Matt is a Rockets fan, which may or may not be awesome in five seasons. So <laughs> <laughs> Accurate, accurate. So, gentlemen, we have brought you on to play a little game that we're calling Eastern Conference Fact or Fiction. Let me tell you how it's going to work. I'm going to quarterback, I'm going to go around the dial and offer a statement. And I'm going to direct it specifically at one person. And that person has to tell me if it's a fact and why, or if it's fiction and why. And from there, anyone can jump in to disagree or offer a rebuttal. However, to manage the flow of traffic, I'm saying that if you rebut on one prompt, you can't rebut on the next one no matter what. You can type your response in the chat if you need to get it off your chest, but you can't say it on air. So that's how that's going to work. We are playing Eastern Conference Fact or Fiction. I'm going to start with our guest, Justin Goodrum. I'm going to start with you. Fact or fiction, the Celtics will win a playoff round this season. Oh boy. So this answer is going to make my dad a little bit angry. He's a hardcore Celtics fan, born and raised in Boston. Uh, I don't think so. Just looking at the playoff matchups, I mean... It seems highly unlikely just due to kind of the playoff seeding now. But um, there is a caveat, and it's going to sound weird. If they happen to play Chicago, they have not really looked good against top-tier competition. So that makes me kind of nervous. So I would say no, but if they happen to play Chicago, it's it's coming weird, sound weird because I'm a Bulls fan. But I have to be honest, they haven't really looked good against kind of elite competition. So if they run into the Bulls, I think they got a real opportunity to pull off the upset. Wow. All right. So it's the Celtics will not win a, a first round matchup unless it's against the Bulls. All right. Welcome to the podcast, yeah. Justin. Um, Alex, do you want the rebut? I do want the rebut. Thank you so much, Cam. Uh, unfortunately, that is a fictional point that our guest just offered. So sorry to tell you, Justin. Uh, and the reason is because the Celtics are currently rocking the best defense in the NBA. They are 12 and two over the last stretch. And more importantly than anything, Jason Tatum is ascendant as he usually is come March, April. The Celtics are going to win a playoff series in large part because they should not fear anybody in the Eastern Conference. This team is rolling right now. They've got a ton of good pieces that fit really neatly around their core of Tatum and Brown and hoping that Jalen Brown will be healthy and back soon. Seems like he will be. Um, But with that core, there is no team in this conference that they should fear. Um, I'm not going to guarantee that they're going to win the conference because that takes a lot of luck, but I think they're getting a playoff round for sure. Hmm. All right. Uh, We're on YouTube now. If if you're listening to this, you can go find us on YouTube as well. So let's do something visual. I'm going to say, Thumbs up if it's a fact the Celtics will win a playoff round this season and thumbs down if it is fiction and that will benefit our visual learners. So thumbs up the Celtics will win a round, thumbs down they will not win a round. Everyone. 
Ooh, I'm a know man how... alone. <laughs> oh no, you had Matt. Matt had a thumbs down. Oh, thumbs down. Oh my. Got you back, Justin. Oh. <laughs> believe... We're not going to be popular with the Celtics fans, <laughs> <We're not>. though. <laughs> yeah, if you can believe it, it was three to two Celtics lab. Um, but Hoopsology is a great podcast. You can <laughs> go listen to it after this. All right, Matt. Matt, fact or fiction? Joel Embiid will win MVP. All right, so. In my heart of hearts, I would like Jokic to repeat as MVP based on standings, based on momentum. I do think that the James Harden is kind of a a strike against him winning MVP, but based on how the 76ers have looked early with him in, based on his numbers and based on their status in the Eastern Conference, I'm going to go with facts for Joel Embiid winning MVP this year. Wow. Wow. All right. Anyone want to burn the rebut? Are you? We can just do the thumbs. All right. Thumbs up. Joel Embiid will win MVP. Thumbs down. It's fiction. He will not win. One, two, three. Whoa. That's just Justin. You can't go in the middle and not do a rebut. I'm abstaining because for me, it's neck and neck between him and Jokic right now. I think we need a yeah. little bit more to know. Okay. I that doesn't count as a rebut because I made you say something. Um, all right. Cool. So split split decision on Embiid, which. Quite frankly, Giannis, Embiid, and Jokic are having statistically unbelievably historic seasons, to say nothing of LeBron or uh, DeMar DeRozan, for that matter. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Or John Morant. Yeah, uh, if I can just add, I think voter fatigue is a real thing, and that's that's going to harm Jokic and Giannis, in, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, honestly, to your point, I think if Embiid has like two 40-point games down the stretch, the narrative will tilt in his favor. I mean, I think it's going to be an emotional decision for a lot of people, but it always is. All right, cool. For sure. uh, let's keep it moving. Alex, I'm going to you. The Nets will explore trading Kyrie Irving this offseason. Fact or fiction? And I'm going to up the ante, heavily explore. If you're upping the ante to heavily explore, then I'm going to say fiction. I don't think that the Nets are going to be going out of their way to shop Kyrie Irving. However, I also think that the Brooklyn Nets are probably going to be open to at least listening to offers for Kyrie Irving. Um, I don't think that it's a long-term marriage by any stretch. And I think a lot depends on how Kyrie approaches a possible extension this summer, uh, what he's going to demand from them. But I think ultimately, as long as Kyrie still has the Kevin Durant seal of approval, he is kind of a made man. And in that sense, I think it would take a lot, but I, I, I think they'll listen. I don't think they're going to be actively shopping him. So a point of clarity, uh, Kyrie Irving does have a player option for next season. It's $36.5 million. Justin Quinn or anyone, and apologies if we don't know the answer. If Kyrie opts in, how soon can the Nets trade him? Is there a, uh, moratorium? Well, no, can... If it's uh, the final year of his contract, I don't think they can trade him. If he opts into his player option? Yeah, I think that might be the case. I'll have to double check, but. Well, um, I'm, I 100% defer to you. But that sort of sounds correct, but also unbelievable. <laughs> wow, I'd have, to, I'd have so... to double check. I know there's there's a rule where if you opt into the final year. No, no, that's not correct. Yeah, don't, don't listen to me. Okay, so maybe they can trade him. But who wants that? That's a crazy amount of money. I mean, well, anyone want to rebut? I'm, I'm supposed to be directing traffic here. Alex says no. Anyone want to rebut? All right. Thumbs up the Celtics. I mean, the Celtics. 
once upon a time. Freudian slip. Uh, thumbs up, the Nets will heavily shop Kyrie Irving. Thumbs down, they will not heavily shop Kyrie Irving. Hit me one, two, three. I'm going for it. All right, we got three up, two down. The ups have it. See you later, Kyrie Irving. Justin Quinn. Fact or fiction, Marcus Smart is the best defender in the Eastern Conference. Fiction. Boo. <laughs> no, but don't get too upset because the best defender in the Eastern Conference is on the same team. Rob? You got it. Tell us. Tell us. That's what I'm talking about, JQ. I know I said you can you can it's be real seat, close. But... It's real close, but only one of those two is going to ever have a real chance at winning defensive player of the year. And it's not, unfortunately, Marcus, and it isn't his fault that he is not a big man. All right. Um, anyone want to rebut that Marcus Smart is not the best defender in the Eastern Conference? I sort of want to, but I'm okay, Matt. Have it. So I, I don't want to rebut per se. I do want to say I want to see what Ben Simmons brings to the table on, on the nets. If he's going to come back hungry or not, I can't say right now it's a rebuttal because uh, Rob and Marcus Smart, I mean, I love those guys. They try so hard. They care. That's a big part of being one of the best defenders in the league, obviously. I want to see what Ben Simmons can do because from a talent standpoint, I think um, he he could be up there. He could give him a run for his money, but we got to see it on the court first. Alex? Well, uh, the one thing I will say about, I think Ben Simmons is a phenomenal defender, and I actually am now in the camp of Ben Simmons is maybe even a little bit underrated given how uh, the media has kind of shifted around him. But in order to be the best defender in the Eastern Conference, in my mind, that also means that you have to be able to be on the floor in the last four minutes of critical playoff games. And until Ben Simmons solves his free throw shooting problem, I just don't think that he can be out there to get those critical stops. So as good as Ben Simmons is, I'm just not sure I can put him there as the best defender in the Eastern Conference when he's not going to be able to play in all likelihood in the most meaningful stretches of the game. Maybe that changes. Maybe he comes back to Brooklyn motivated and he starts hitting from a reasonable clip at the line, or at least not being afraid to get sent to the free throw line. But until that changes, that's, it's going to be tough for me to put him there. Who said the best ability is availability? I, I, I don't know. Phil Knight. Or uh, Doc someone. Rivers likes to say it. I don't know if it well, we'll give it to doc. Good job, doc. Yeah, well, the irony in that is hilarious. Um, all right, uh, <laughs> Justin G. Fact or fiction, the Pacers will make the play-in tournament or better next season. Oh, um, I would have to say this fiction. I don't have too much to really add on this topic too much. Um, I think what we observe with the trade is that they're still kind of in somewhat of a, I don't know, holding pattern. Um, I, I think just think they're one of the, kind of the, the weirdest teams in the NBA. I think in years past, they've always been kind of a team you've forgotten about, but somehow they surprise you. And I think those days are kind of over. So I don't see it. However, I've been wrong about the Pacers before. And I know we have some of our kind of our colleagues on the OTG basketball network that might think otherwise. So, um, but I just don't share that same optimism. Wow. Interesting. Anyone want to rebut? I'm going to take a rebut. I'm, I'm high on the Pacers. They have, the the worst like uh clutch time differential in the nba by like an incredible margin they're like five and 25 and games decided by five points or fewer something crazy like that that's not a 
an approximate stat. It's a vague stat. Uh, I trust Carlisle. I trust Halliburton. I trust Brogdon. I tr trust that they can trade Miles Turner. And I trust that the middle class of the East is fluid and spongy. So I, I believe in the Pacers. I'm not saying that they're going to win a title, but I think play-in or bust is, um, is very, very meaningful. And I know that Matt has my back on that one. So uh, we didn't do the Ben Simmons or Marcus Smart thumbs up, but he is the best defender in the East, let's be honest. He's the person that I would want to not play one-on-one -on -one with most in the Eastern Conference, I think. Um, okay, thumbs up. The Pacers will make the play, the play in or better in 22-23. Thumbs down. They will not. Three, two, one. Two up, three down. Terrible. All right, but before we get to what the Pacers are going to do next year, we have to finish up you know, this season. And that means talking about this round of the NBA playoffs. And that means talking about our friends at betonline.ag. Football might be over, but basketball is full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, game totals, player performance props, or even where the next fired coach might land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. All of you wonderful people, BetOnline has the Western Conference slightly favored to win the NBA title this year. They're minus 135 uh, if you're a, a betting person. And hopefully you're using bet online if you are. Thumbs up. Western Conference has this title in the bag. Thumbs down. Western Conference does not have this title in the bag. Three, two, one, go. I got four thumbs up, one thumbs down. Justin Quinn, who is winning the title this year? Clearly they're from the East. Bucks. The Bucks. Okay, we'll get to that later too. All right, cool. Well, if you agree with Justin, you, can, you have favorable odds there. And if you be, agree with the field... It's not, it's not crazy either way, but head on over to the betonline.ag website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. It's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, as well as your favorite casino games. BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination and the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online where the game starts. All right, back to Eastern Conference fact or fiction. This is a multi-parter, so I'm going to go around the horn. I will start with Matt. Matt, the Miami Heat are bona fide contenders. Fact or fiction? Now, I need a clarification. I read this as bona fide contenders for the Eastern Conference. Is that what we're talking about? That would make sense given the purview of the game, but I was thinking title contenders. Gotcha. Okay. I'm going to go ahead for Eastern Conference, say fact, for title contenders, say fiction. Whoa. Uh, all righty. What's their fatal flaw? Not to put you on the spot. Age. Age. That's, all right. That's, the, I, that's smart. Uh, Alex Schoolberg. Fact or fiction, the Cleveland Cavaliers are title contenders. Uh, Cam, I love what the Cleveland Cavaliers have been doing this year. They're a very fun team, but it is fiction to think that the Cleveland Cavaliers as currently constructed are title contenders. They are a few years away. Their core is young, fun, and good, and they might even exceed expectations in the playoffs, maybe even get to the Eastern Conference Finals if things break the right way for them. I do not think that they have the horses to go all the way. So that's fiction for me. Could they win the East? 
I think that a lot of things would have to go the right way for them to win the East. Namely, I think that Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo would have to suffer significant injuries for them to actually have a shot. All right. Justin Quinn, fact or fiction, the Bulls are bona fide contenders. I'm going to put them in the same camp as Cleveland. I think they're a really fun team, but they are very gameable in the postseason, and they are a very young team. Uh, so there's not a lot of high-level playoff experience on that team. There's some, but not enough, I think, for them to be a real threat to, to win it all uh, for the East, at least if not we're talking the whole thing. So a better host of Eastern Conference Factor Fiction wouldn't let this happen, but Justin is supposed to tell me whether or not the Celtics are bona fide contenders. And Justin Goodrum told us that they're not getting out of the first round. So Justin Goodrum, are the Memphis Grizzlies bona fide title contenders? Ooh, uh, I would say yes. I don't know. I I am really on the John Morant bandwagon. I just think he is such a phenom in this league. And it's so, so amazing that there's comparisons between John Morant and Zion. And I picked Zion and I look like an idiot now. So it's just most like, people did. Yeah. It's just like, what, what, what time flies and what, what this, how the league transforms is just amazing. But I just think just his will and just, I don't know. I think he has this like once in a generational potential that any team he's on, I think they are a title contender. Now they're going to win the championship. Are they my pick? No, but I can't just sit here and say that they're, they're not in, in line to win a title with John Moran on your team. I just, I think he has that, that star potential. Dr. Quinn. So this is a rebuttal, but it's not a rebuttal. So you can decide whether I can talk in the next one. Sure. It's up to you. This is more about the Celtics, and this has to do with matchups. I actually agree very strongly with Justin. I think that there's only three teams that, that Boston will have a very solid chance at getting past. And one of them, I'm still need, needing to see how James Harden really fits when they play the Celtics. Against other teams, I don't think it's going to be quite the same because Boston's defense is pretty well built for a team like Philadelphia. But if they're not facing them, they need to face the Cavs or Chicago to have a good chance to get out of the first round. All right. I, this is, it's Wednesday night. I'm going to the Grizzlies-Celtics team tomorrow, and I might just straight up root for the Grizzlies because whether or not they're going to win it all, they're so fun. Alex, go pound sand. I love I love the Grizzlies. I love the Grizzlies too. I think they're my favorite team in the Western Conference. But Cam, you're the co-host of the Celtics Lab podcast. It's not Grizzlies Lab. <laughs> uh, Grizzlies Lab. We provide balanced, no slant, no rant coverage of the Boston Celtics and slanted, ranted coverage of the Memphis Grizzlies, as it were. All right, uh, Alex, I'm going to go to you. The Hawks have what it takes to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals fact or fiction. I had some really good seats last night at the Celtics Hawks game, and I was able to break down a lot of what was happening on the court. Really enjoyed it. Had a good time. Screamed a lot. That might be why my voice sounds weird, folks. Um, Based on what I saw last night, now, obviously, John Collins was not there. He's a pretty big part of their team. But uh, I did not see a team that is capable of winning a playoff round, much less getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that They were a really fun story last year, and they kind of took a lot of teams by surprise and had a bracket that really broke their way in a lot of different areas. Um, But Trey Young is ultimately, 
Trey Young is a really good offensive player, but you can scheme for him over the course of a seven game series. And I think that between that, between the fact that the Hawks bench to me seems pretty unreliable as currently constructed, they definitely don't have the same heavy hitters that they did last year. And they just still feel like there's times where the Hawks get really stagnant on offense and their offense kind of breaks down into a series of like uh, high, like high screen isolation or Trey Young pull up two, pull up three, et cetera. It's like, they're, they're a little predictable. Um, so to me, I don't see the Hawks like winning a playoff series, much less getting to the Eastern conference finals. Yeah. I wrote that question before last night's Celtics Hawks game where the Hawks laid an egg like I don't think I've ever seen a team lay an egg in the second half so the question kind of doesn't work anymore but uh anyone want to rebut that um I'm not even going to do the thumbs up thing but this time I did remember to do it but I'm not even going to do it this time all right I am over to you Justin Quinn and I think you wrote this question next season the Hornets will have home court in the playoffs factor fiction I think that's fact. Uh, I'm really excited about the team that they're building there. Not just because they signed IT, which we can talk about a little bit later, uh, but it's really hard to see how they would have to be basically mismanaging their roster at a pretty criminal rate to not be on a trajectory to have a home court advantage team. They might not get it, but I expect it's probably about a little bit better than the coin flip in my opinion. All right. Anyone want to hop in? Yeah, Matt. My reservation is the Eastern Conference is getting more crowded now with the Nets being split up um, and when in doubt, this is going to sound so mean. I'm not a mean guy, but bet against an MJ owned team um, <laughs> for things like this. So I'm going to I'm going to say fiction uh, for this. Uh, and look, I love LaMelo Ball. I, I love what they're doing. Uh, definitely one of the great league pass teams this year, no doubt, but got to see how he develops too. I, I need him to get bigger. I need him to be able to get to the rim a little bit uh, more easily and be sure that he can withstand that too. So I'm going to go fiction for now. All right. All right. Uh, Hornets making the post, having a, a home court advantage in the postseason next season. Thumbs up. That's fact. Thumbs down. That's fiction. Three, two, one. The Justin, I appreciate your moxie. That's four fictions and one fact. Justin Goodrum, Robert Williams will be named to more than one all-star game in his career. Fact or fiction? I will say he's so named to one, to more than one all-star team. Named to more than one. I would say that is uh, fact. Um, I'm really impressed with what you guys mentioned and saying his praises defensively. And I think that's true. And the trend of the NBA is that I think defense is being rewarded a lot more in terms of the value and the voters actually seeing that. So I think that's going to be true. Um, Whether that momentum picks up next year, we'll have to see, but I think the East, I don't know. I thought that just looking at some of the positions are relatively kind of weak. So it kind of opens the door for more of those, you know, traditional defensive players. So I agree. I think it's gonna be a multiple time all-star. I certainly see it. And I think kind of the league has precedence in terms of kind of different defensive players um, getting those all-star recognition. So I think that's going to be a fact. I think it's, I'm going to rebut. I think it's fiction. I think that one season, the Celtics will win like 65 games and Tatum and Brown will be named to multiple all-star teams. 
And just that, that season, Rob Williams will also be an all-star. I just don't, I don't think his game, I think he is, he will be one of the 30 most important players in the league, if that makes sense. But he just like, isn't going to get the touches, which breaks my heart. But um, I suspect I disagree, but Hey, I would love to be wrong about this one. So thumbs up. Yes. Rob Williams is going to multiple all-star games. Thumbs down. It's one or none. Uh, so facts, thumbs up, fiction, thumbs down, three, two, one. Oh, we got three up, two down. Matt and I agree a lot. Matt, you should come on this podcast more often. Okay, let's go over to Matt, you. Uh, fact or fiction, Bradley Beal will be a wizard next season. Go. This one's tough, <laughs> but look, hear me out. He's been there a long time already. What's one more season? I'm going to go fact. He's going to be a wizard. He has every reason to push his way out of there at this point. I don't know. It's just feeling. I, I think he is in this for the long haul with the Wizards. He has been up to this point. He's spoke a lot about loyalty to that team. They've done some things. They've made some moves. And why wouldn't we want to see a full season with this new cast of teammates around him? So I'm going to go fact. This will probably get everybody. That's cool. <laughs> Anyone want to take the rebut? Does it count as a rebut if I agree? No, I, I also agree. All right. I, I mean, well, Ben's right. Chili Bowl. He's got the whole mural at Ben's Chili Bowl, right? I mean, he, that's that's for life. Unless they paint over it. Uh, all right. Thumbs up. Bradley Beal, Wizard next season. Three, two, one. That's five thumbs up. That's the most agreeable statement we've had this game so far. All right, Alex, I'm going to go to you. Uh, quickly, fact or fiction, neither Tom Thibodeau nor Julius Randle will be Knicks next season. I'm going to go fact. I think that things are not going well for the New York Knicks right now. I think that Tom Thibodeau has been kind of ruffling some feathers a little bit, and New York media is pretty ruthless. I, I could see a scenario where he gets the boot and kind of is the fall guy for what is ultimately a lost season. Now, I don't think that Tom Thibodeau is actually responsible for this season, but I think he might end up being set up to take the fall regardless. And I think Julius Randle, I mean, to me, I feel like he has been burning bridges with Knicks fans left and right. If you look at his demeanor in the garden this year, if you look at the comments that he's made in the media and kind of how he's talked about the season, his body language, and frankly, his play, I think Julius is going to be on a different team next year. I really do. Probably the Kings. Because that's where all disgruntled NBA players end up. All right. uh, Thumbs up. Tibbs and uh, Julius Randle are gone from New York next season. Thumbs down. One or both of them are sticking around. Three, two, one. We got four up, one down. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think I, I think maybe I'm closer to in the middle, but that's okay. I think one of them is going to be gone. I don't think both. Yeah, that's probably right. But who? which one? We'll never know. All right, Justin, our third to last quest- question, and we'll do it quickly. Fact or fiction? The Celtics have the best defense in the NBA. It's Justin. Justin Quinn. Oh, in that case, uh, I will say it's very, very close. Uh, I would say the Golden State Warriors are a real close competitor, but at least right now, I would say the Celtics do. We'll see by the end of the week, but. By the end of the week, what's going to happen at the end of the week? This Grizzlies game? 
the Grizzlies game is going to be a pretty tough test, and we might be looking at, we can also talk about this a little bit more later, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant being uh, in Boston for the Nets game. So that could be a big test. I am not rebutting, and I talked last time, but I don't care. I think the Celtics have the best defense, but not the most disciplined defense, so therefore not the best defense. Um, but thumbs up, the Celtics have the best defense, regardless of uh, splitting hairs, thumbs down, they do not. Three, two, one. Three down, two up, although this framework is a mess. All right, uh, Justin and Matt, to say thank you for coming on the podcast, we're going to give you uh, the last two questions. Justin, I'm going to go to you first, Justin. Good room. Sure. Fact or fiction, Kyrie Irving is the best point guard in the Eastern Conference. Oh, this is such a tough question. <laughs> when he's on the floor, yes. But yeah. I looked, I was looking at this today, and I think he's only played like 15 games this season. So it's like, how can he be the best point guard in the league when he, he's hardly ever on the floor? Um, I think if New York changes their COVID regulations and he plays home games, I think this will be the case. So I can co-sign on that. So assuming that everything leans in the direction of him playing more of these home games, I just have to pick him just because he's such a massive difference maker. And it turns the Nets from this, I don't know, a fringe kind of, not a fringe playoff team, but I guess a mediocre one to a title contender if he's, you know, playing home and away games. So if New York kind of, you know, clears the way in terms of the COVID regulations, I, I can, I obviously see him as the one of the top point guard and the best point guard in the, in the Eastern conference. All right. Any rebuts there? Uh, I got a rebut if we're Matt, I'm sorry. I just totally jumped in the queue. Um, Kyrie Irving has played 15 games this year. And yeah. so by default, he cannot be the best point guard <laughs> in the Eastern conference. Um, and I think it's a little bit closer than people think. I, I, I largely agree. If he's on the floor, he's probably the best, but for now, given that he has only played 15 games and we cannot reward Kyrie Irving for missing nearly an entire season by choice, to be yeah. clear, he, he chose to do this. Um, the best de- the best point guard in the Eastern Conference then defaults to Kyle Lowry, who is really, really good at just like battle-tested playoff wins. He's a little bit older than he used to be, but this guy knows how, what it takes to win in the playoffs. He's done it repeatedly. He does it on both ends of the floor. He moves the ball. He's a great teammate. He's a great locker room guy. Um, he's a freaking ferocious defender at the perimeter and he can hit uh threes and is, he, he's the he's the full package so I, for me it's kyle lowry until Kyrie decides he wants to you know play for the whole season matt do you want to hop in yeah i think uh we're coming at it from different angles which is kind of cool i i think his absence is the case for why he is the best point guard in the east <laughs> like you look at that all-star starters roster and with like Trey Young, basically on that all-stars roster being the next best point guard on the East with Kyrie's obvious ab- absence. That's why I would say he is without a doubt the best, but I mean, obviously I can't argue if we're going by games played this year, then exactly. yeah, he's, he's missed the season, but in terms of talent wise matching up, um, even with all this time missed, I still think if he's on the court playing, um, when it comes playoff time, et cetera, I, I think he's the point guard that you want the most in the Eastern Conference. And Justin, you wanted to shout out Justin Quinn? Well, I think, okay. he, I think he's the best 
overall, when you count availability, I, I don't think that he is anywhere near as good as Kyrie, but I think that uh, if I am trying to go deep into the playoffs, I would rather have somebody who is actually able to play and willing to play and not going to do anything strange like stop playing in a series with the Bucks. I might be a little scarred. Anyway. Or if you have to play Toronto, because that could get complicated. Um, the best point guard in the Eastern Conference is Marcus Smart. That's what we were looking for, but thanks for playing anyways. Um, <laughs> Matt, you get the last question, and it's one we teased a little bit. Fact or fiction, the Milwaukee Bucks are going to repeat as champions? Fiction. I, I got to go Suns, even if it's a repeat. I, I think it's the Suns year. I don't know. I, I could totally be wrong. But man, I, you know, the answer to the question earlier about defense, my answer was going to be the Suns, their versatility on defense. Certainly the Celtics have been hot lately. I can't argue against that. Um, but I, I'm going Suns winning the title this year. Um, so therefore the Bucks cannot repeat. Cool. Uh, anyone want rebuts? I mean, just since I've been cheerleading for, for the Bucks the whole time, until I see that they aren't, I am going with them just because they have earned the, the respect. There are some serious questions about the moves they made at the trade deadline and, and their ability to have important positions with the proper depth that they're going to need, particularly if anyone gets injured, particularly if it's Giannis. But then again, if Giannis gets injured, they're not winning it anyway. So I'm still going to go with them until I see otherwise. Yeah, I feel like that we were having a conversation about large markets and small markets in our DMs and maybe small markets actually are competitive, but I don't think they're competitive in the media ecosystem. And Giannis dropped 50 in a closeout game in the finals. And we just like, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen in basketball. And we're not like, oh yeah, they're definitely going to win the title again. That seems silly to me, but uh, we'll see. Uh, Justin Goodrum, Matt Thomas, you are the co-host of the Hoopsology podcast. Anything you want to plug before we kick you out the door? Check us out. We've got new episodes every week, new interviews every week. Guys, it's been great. Thank you so much for having us on. All the best. It has been a pleasure. Thank you for allowing us into your house to talk some hoops. And yeah, to check out our archives with just authors, producers, um, all around the basketball world. Just check us out on iTunes and wherever you listen to your podcasts. And I got to say, go Celtics to make up for that first round answer. Right. That's right. <laughs> Nothing against the Celtics, you guys. Nothing against the Celtics. All love. <laughs> well, Justin, Matt, thank you so much. Check out the Hoopsology podcast. They really do. You, I don't know how you poll the guests that you poll. You must be very charming at writing emails because <laughs> some of the people that you've had in your podcast recently have been just dynamite, um, as you both are as well. So thanks so much for coming on. And uh, we'll see you soon, I hope. For sure. Appreciate you guys. Thanks. Alrighty. Thanks again to Justin and Matt from the Hoopsology podcast for coming and playing that game. A little bit of chaos, but it was, I had fun. Um, I get to talk a lot. That was fun. Let's do the news and then we will be out of here. And of course the news, the biggest news facing the Celtics right now is that Jalen Brown has a pretty uh, not so bad uh, injury right now. I think um, sprained, you don't know. we don't know a sprained right ankle. I think it's right ankle. Um, Udoka said today, so again, this is Wednesday night. The injury happened last night. Udoka said nothing to be worried about, just a little bit of swelling. That could be that could not age well. Alex, you were in the building. How much air got taken out of TD Garden in that moment? 
Well, it was really brutal. And in particular, because Jalen, based on just those first few possessions, looked like he was going to be in line for a pretty stellar game. I mean, he was yeah. moving super fluidly, making good reads. Like he, he looked like he was in a good spot. Uh, and when he went down, there was a visible kind of slump, both in the energy of the crowd and on the energy of the team. The Celtics kind of got picked apart in that second quarter. Uh, really right after he went down is when the run started. It kind of at the middle to end of the first quarter. So yeah. it definitely was a deflating effect. That's why I was actually so impressed by the Celtics being able to come back in that game because that that's the kind of thing that can really take the wind out of a team's sails when they lose a superstar player like that to injury so early on, especially given that, you know, last year, the Celtics, I think in some ways, even though they ultimately lost the Nets in five, they, they in some ways exceeded expectations with the quality of play that they were delivering without Jalen and the possibility of losing Jalen kind of right as we're ramping up into pre-playoffs mode. I think that would have been a really devastating thing for this team. Now, I am definitely a little more concerned. Like, obviously, he got injured and he's got this ankle swelling that's going on. And I'm not necessarily concerned about that injury specifically. I am more concerned about the fact that injuries kind of tend to pile up on Jalen Brown. He gets yeah. a lot of dings uh, and kind of dents throughout the season. And I think that I, I would be, if, if assuming he comes back relatively soon, let's say next week or so, I, I would seriously consider maybe managing his workload a little bit as we head into the kind of final stretch of the season, which is easier said than done because the Celtics are also really trying to make up ground in the standings. But given what they saw last night from Marcus Smart, Derek White, Grant Williams, all of these guys kind of stepping up and contributing in Jalen's absence, and given how important Jalen will ultimately be to whether this team succeeds in the in a significant way in the playoffs, I I would actually kind of like to see Jalen's minutes be managed a little bit for this last stretch of the season. I just made a note that we should do a whole podcast on how important seating is for the Celtics, because um, we'll just do the news and get out of here. But I, I suppose Alex, I perhaps disagree that shutting Jalen down is the right thing because maybe I think that climbing the standings is important, but I'll get back to you on that. To be clear, I'm between that though. You could just play him for 26, 27, 28, you know, and yeah. you know, a game off here or there, like one or two more games, maybe the last. No, actually I think we play a couple of really tough games. To finish Miami. And anyway. Yeah, yeah. So that's that. definitely closer to what I'm saying. I don't think we should shut him down. I think we should just manage the workload a little bit. I mean, the problem there is that Udoka is playing like a seven and a half man rotation. I mean, I, it occurred to me last night that, Tatum, Smart, uh, Rob, Grant, and Pritchard is like a, a really cool team from like 2005, like when basketball really was one-on-one. Um, and actually, that's a good segue. I, uh, I won't lead the witness, but Justin, what did you see out of the Celtics once Brown went down? That was, I mean, maybe the Hawks stink more than we realized, but what did you see that was encouraging? I think the Hawks are actually going through something fairly similar to what Boston went through in the beginning of this season, not in terms of not knowing uh, how to play together. They're just struggling to find their new identity after the trade deadline. I think uh, they also had too many players earlier in the season to make the rotation work very well. They're also dealing with injury. John Collins was out, but what I saw at that particular game was the 
first half of the season Celtics making a shell-shocked appearance. That, that word got tossed around a lot by a lot of the media, and it was accurate. They were just not themselves for the entire first half, really, after that happened. And they did come out really, really strong in the second half and righted the ship in really impressive fashion. But it was very concerning. I was trying very hard to tell myself this is an excusable loss. You see that kind of a thing. It's very understandable if you just don't have it in you to keep you know, giving it your best after that. But they found a way to do it. And that, I think, is a very big step forward for this team. And touching on what you were talking about with that Titan rotation, a lot of people have been pointing out that it is important that you, you know the people who are able to play in that rotation are good. Now, we saw you know, Aaron Neesmith, God bless him, still can't make a damn shot to save his life. I don't know what the hell happened to him. I hope the gods of basketball give him his shooting ability back after he atones for whatever sin he committed. But Udoko was right. He really did help change the energy when he came in and helped provide some some you know patch minutes for Jalen. And I think that we may this is his best opportunity to really earn, you know, the right to be the next man up. I mean, in this game, he had to be the next man up, but he might get a little bit bigger of a role and a little bit more common minutes throughout the last, I think it's 18 games left in the season, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm really hopeful that between him and Pritchard, that this is a real opportunity for them to show that they can be valuable depth pieces well and one thing to add to that is so when thinking about the celtics and how they kind of performed last night aaron neesmith it would be great if he's the next man up or peyton pritchard either one of them but Derek white played his ass off last night mm -hmm. that guy was electric for the entire second half you know i think he ended up with like 18 and 5 he was just attacking the rim relentlessly providing great defense so it's i i think given that the celtics in my opinion clearly got a good trade deadline deal done there i think there's a little bit more insurance in jalen's absence but the big thing that kind of stood out to me in watching the celtics in that comeback last night is that jason tatum got really like animated and aggressive yeah. he was like talking to his teammates and pumping up the crowd and like you know getting back getting in grant williams ear and encouraging him even when he was making mistakes he displayed last night i thought some really high level and impressive leadership skills in what was ultimately a pretty troubling situation for this team i i think Looking at that and looking at both how he played on the court, he played a brilliant game, but also just like the way he carried himself with complete confidence that the guys around him were capable of getting it done. To me, that indicates that there's an argument for let's let Jalen heal as much as possible and really get right. Because I, I think given his play lately and just the kind of demeanor he's carried himself with uh, with kind of his latest performances like Jason Tatum to me is really emerging as the leader the centralizing figure that this team has needed for some time he's really coming into his own and I think they have a little bit of of wiggle room even with a tight eastern conference standings and perhaps the most important stretch of the season for them coming up they have a little bit of wiggle room as long as Tatum keeps playing this way and keeps trusting the guys around him yeah, I mean, to that end, that especially in the fourth quarter, Tatum was immediately double teamed almost any time he touched the ball. And so that's why it was two smart defensive plays and two Grant Williams threes that won the game. Um, 
So if they're without Jalen or they need to stagger Jalen's minutes or Jalen doesn't have it, if Tatum gets doubled, I mean, the, the next set of guys need to step up. And it was fair to wonder if the Celtics rotation had serviceable playoff ready guys. And I think we might have answered that question, although it's just one game. Uh, looking forward, so since we last talked, uh, the Celtics did beat the Pistons, although it looked like it was touch and go for a bit. They did not beat the Pacers, but whatever. Um, they're going to the playoffs the next season, so I mean, that's fine. And they had that game against Atlanta last night. Any thoughts uh, heading into a, a pretty tough stretch for the Celtics for the month of March is a little bit of a gauntlet. What are you hoping for? What are you looking for? Um, what do you expect to happen, either Alex or Justin, for the month of March? Keep it up on the defensive end, first and foremost. That's where it's going to start for this team. Uh, if the Celtics can come out and play with high energy and good communication on defense every night, they're going to be in all of these games. It's just going to come down to late game execution. So I, for me, it's start on the defensive end, keep kind of relying on your fundamentals there and your defensive culture and then try your best to go like 500 maybe a little above ideally for the rest of this stretch if they do that if they can win you know half of these games or more i feel incredible about this team heading into the postseason i really do i would also like to see a little bit of bringing back ISO play. And that might sound counterintuitive because mostly I want to see them keep the pace fast, but they do need to keep scratching that ability because in the postseason, the game slows down, half court becomes a thing. They become completely dependent on a fast paced, high defensively oriented style of play to win. They may have some problems. Yeah. I'm, I'm open to the suggestion that they can win down the stretch on the strength of Tatum and Brown, your turn, my turn. I've, I kind of think that they need to be like these sons or the spurs of old where with two minutes left, you're actually running a play. And it's just, it's like in semi-pro, it's just like burnt into your brain that like, no matter what you're running a play. Um, so I could go in either direction. If, if Tatum is just <laughs> spanking people left and right, fine. If the fourth quarter, they're looking like a polished machine in a way that they didn't at the beginning of the year, that's also pretty awesome. So I could, I could be talked in either direction, I think. To be clear, they just need to integrate the ability to run ISO where they do pass out of double teams. Now, they need to sure. be able to do that. I agree, Justin. I think it, it, the plan has got to be plan to run the play, but if the play breaks down, which often happens against playoff defenses, don't be afraid to kick it to Jason with like only half of the shot clock left and let him cook. Fair enough. All right. Um... We're running a little long, so just in the interest of news and uh, a little bit of segue to get us out of here, Isaiah Thomas was picked up by the Charlotte Hornets on a 10-day. He joins Terry Rozier, which is awesome, and the Celtics will be in Charlotte next week, so uh, Celtics fans, maybe we'll get to see IT in action. I'm sure whoever covers the game will bring it up. Uh, and then closer to home, the Celtics signed Matt Ryan on a two-way deal. He's from Chattanooga. He is a 3-and-D prospect. He played under the Jet for Grand Rapids and the G League. Justin Quinn, uh, I believe you recently talked to Jason Terry. Is that, is that true? I, I do recall that happening. Yeah. Um, so if you're done with uh, just us <laughs> listening to this version of the Celtics Lab podcast, um, but you we've piqued your interest, uh, go ahead if you haven't listened to Justin talk to Jason Terry 
from last week. They talked about Kevin Garnett. They talked about the Celtics. They talked about all sorts of cool things. Um, and Justin tried out just our new workout regimen, which is also awesome. Um, so thanks again to the Hoopsology podcast folks for coming on. Thanks for liking and subscribing to this podcast if you haven't. Thanks to Jason Terry. And thanks for listening. We will catch you uh, with a couple of episodes, hopefully, next week. Bye-bye. Peace.